Hey, family, where you been at? I ain't heard from you in a minute. No, I'm just kidding. It's not you that's been gone. It's been me. But I am so happy to be back. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Building Without a Blueprint. And listen, thank you to everybody who has hit me up in this time letting me know that you enjoyed the first three episodes and couldn't wait till we came back with a full season. And I am so excited to say that I am back with just a variety of stuff that I hope is going to inspire you, bless you, challenge you, make you think, or hopefully start some discussion. So here we are. Thank you so much for listening. This first episode, I couldn't think of anybody better than the one and only Dr. Mickey Taylor. Now, we actually sat down and had this conversation earlier this year when I first launched to three episodes, but I held it because it was just that good. And I was like, "Eh, I want to wait for the full season for this one. So you're going to almost take a trip back into the past. But before we even get going with that, I want to let you know this episode was recorded at a program that means so much to me called Disney Dreamers Academy. Disney Dreamers Academy, if you've heard me talk for like two minutes, then you've heard me talk about it and its significance to my life. Well, we were here when we got a chance to borrow an hour in the midst of all of that inspiration that weekend and have a great conversation. I bring that up because we're posting this episode just weeks before the deadline for you to submit your application to be considered for the 2019 class of Dreamers Academy. So you can go to DisneyDreamersAcademy.com if you are a high schooler or if you know a high schooler ages 13 to 18. Have them log on to the website, apply. We want to know who you are. What is your story? What are you passionate about? What have you been sent to the world to help fix, change, or accomplish? Well, you can go to DisneyDreamersAcademy.com to find out more information. The deadline is October 31st, and I am so excited to not only still be a part of this experience, but to even be on the panel of DDA speakers who will get to do the judging and actually pick the next 100. So I want you to apply. I want you to have the same experience I did so that your life can be utterly changed because I say all the time that DDA changes your life by changing your mind. It's all about pursuing your dreams and it's all about hashtag B100. So I wanted to get that in there before we go into this incredible conversation. And when you hear Dr. Mickey Taylor, this is just an example of one voice that gets to pour into you over the course of the weekend. So get the word out. Disney Dreamers Academy by the Walt Disney Company in partnership with Steve Harvey, with Essence Magazine, and a host of phenomenal people who work to change the lives of 100 high schoolers every year. And guess what? I'm going to be there too. Uh-huh. So log on to one more time, DisneyDreamersAcademy.com. Feel free to follow them on Instagram as well, at Disney Dreamers Academy, um, and follow them on Facebook. So definitely apply. Now, here we go. Episode four, but the first one of the full season one. Thank you for listening. Here it is. For all those who feel called to build something bigger than themselves, but have no idea or representation as to how to bring it to pass, this podcast is for you. Let's figure it out together. Get ready. Let's build. Four, three, two, one. Everything that you've been through up until this point has helped you create your why. And when you have a strong why, nothing will stop you.
ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in this week. As I say every episode, first of all, I'm thankful to God for life and love, and I'm thankful to you for listening. Now, this episode, y'all, it's a big deal. I wish you were with me in this room so that you can see that I can't even sit straight in this chair because of the opportunity that I have to sit with somebody who has greatly impacted and inspired my life. She is the former beauty and cover editor of Essence Magazine. She is the founder and CEO of Mickey Taylor Enterprises, a phenomenal author, speaker, a culture influencer and shifter, phenomenal wife, mother, and mother to us all, not just her own. The incomparable, wonderful, amazing and gracious Dr. Mickey Taylor is sitting across from me. Welcome to Building Without a Blueprint. Thank you so much, Brother Park. I'm so honored to sit in the chair for Building Without a Blueprint. Thank you for saying yes. You are, first of all, thank you for just being you. You, as long as I have known you, you have worked with people that would blow us all away as we begin to just go through the catalog of people that you've worked with. But none of that in terms of your influence or what you've accomplished has changed your spirit and your heart towards people. And to me specifically, ever since we first met back in 2011. So thank you from the bottom of my heart. Hmm. Just honored. Just honored. Honored by you in so many ways to watch you walk in your truth ever since I met you in the genesis of your truth and how it just keeps growing and blessing others and having those honest conversations with you. I I am just inspired and proud. Dr. Shelley, thank you so, so, so much. We are going to jump in. I know that I am hip to the brevity of your impact in your career. But even beyond that, I want to start with just this question. By your own definition and words, who is Dr. Mickey Taylor? It is such a powerful question. You know, for me, I've always been about service and not status. Mm. And so talking about myself, it is one of my least favorite subjects because I am so moved in talking about others. But who is she? Servant? dynamic force for change, Mm. believer in people, seed sower, mother, proud wife, community, engager, champion of women. Those are just a few of, I guess if I had to step back and try to define what God has done, that's how I would put it. Wow. Now you say that with an assurance that a lot of people don't have, myself being one of those people. And when any of us would be asked that question, there would be some sort of hesitation. Last night at Dreamers Academy, we spoke to the young men, and every time you ask them a question, we all were guilty of this, where we started by saying, um, and it reveals this idea that there's something there in my heart, but there's this lack of assurance I have before I speak it. For those things that you were able to identify as Dr. Mickey Taylor, when did that assurance come in for you to say, this is what I know I am, and this is the confidence I have to express that clearly. I think one day in the midst of serving in the harvest, if you will, of serving us, uh, there was a young woman who charged me as a beauty director. And it was very interesting, when I first started in at Essence over 30-some years ago, she said I was actually responsible as beauty editor to affirm and inspire the culture's definition of beauty in a nation where we were largely the invisible women. And my disappointment was in that as much as we loved beauty and self-expression, so part of our innate appreciation of who we are, 
is that the span, the amount of products that served us or met our needs and desires could fit in the span of my two arms. And so I took it upon myself to educate beauty companies because I couldn't stand by on my watch and report on an untruth. I couldn't, you know, see us so largely ignored and our hard-earned dollars not appreciated. And I was talking with a young woman one day and she said to me, well, why would you help them? And I told her because I know the state of us and this is important. I must change this on my watch. I cannot go and contribute in full and collect another paycheck without making change. And she said, well, if you're gonna do that, then you need to tell them X, Y, and Z. And that's when it really became clear to me that Yes, this rests on your shoulders and you must run full throttle. And so you must be heard in every room. And yes, you're in the room and you're the only one. And so what? Yes, you're in the room and marketing people are talking to you and telling you that this is great for all women. And you know that that is hocus focus and you cannot sit there any longer and take the product and thank them for including you. No, it is not enough because every time you walk in the door, millions of women walk in the door with you and you cannot be silent. Wow. What does that feel like to know that when you walk in a room, millions of women walk in with you? Now that I take pause about because because I'm going in there to sometimes war, sometimes to celebrate, champion us. And again, so as I come from this place of service, you know, I'm running through the door and it's all about the mission. Now, am I honored? Yes. Do I think about it in my dwell space? No. It becomes real for me, though, again and again, when I pass through an airport and the TSA women say, oh, wow, Mickey Taylor, we so appreciate what you do for us. Or I'm going through the toll booth and getting the same. Or, you know, I live with the people. I'm in church with us. I'm shopping for my own groceries with us. And so when I hear that, knowing that the lives that I touch and that these are the women that I serve and it's working. I think about that for a few moments and then I go back to the work. Wow. Something that I think was powerful that you said is when asked about when the assurance came of your identity, for you it really came through service. You were saying that when you had that conversation with that woman she shared with you, this is the kind of assurance you have to have about you as you go to advocate for other people. Right. I think it's easy for many people who are involved in any sort of public service, whether you're a parent or whether you are a personality, a celebrity, a speaker, whatever that might be, to lose you in that process of advocating for others. How have you been able to maintain that balance of this is the way that I serve, but this is also how I take care of loving me? How have you balanced that? You know, I think the Apostle Paul said it best. He said that he kept in subjection of himself, lest he be an imposter of that which he taught. And so I'm not asking women to do anything that I won't do. I'm asking women, and I am through authoring many books and talking to them on stage and in the marketplaces of the world, if you will, if I'm asking you to be your best self, I'm asking the same thing of me. If I'm asking you to self-nurture because you are precious to your creator and you are on divine assignment here for others, I'm, I'm reminding myself of the same thing. So again, 
if I tell you even something as simple as don't be in the bed Facebooking and tweeting and creating emails all hour of the night, I'm going to tell you by the same token, genius and rest go together best and let's get our Z's because we've got work to do. So yeah, that's how I understand that I am not my own, so to speak, and yet I must be a good steward of me and my abilities. Got it. You said something that I thought was powerful in terms of essence and its role in and your work that you were doing with beauty companies is that it was solving a problem. And that was the national invisibility of black women, this refusal to acknowledge the presence and space and value of black women. Talk to me about that problem. Let's start there first. Can we unpack that? Well, you know, the interesting thing, if you, again, you have to remember in its genesis and in my assignment in in coming to Essence, it was really about holding up the mirror on black womanhood, all shades, all shapes, all sizes. That is still a present day struggle. If you look at advertising, if you will, if you look at the language used to speak to women at large, it is still not a language of inclusion. If you look in the early days, if I go back long before the aughts, if you look at the 80s and the 90s, products that were made, if you see as a woman of color, knowing how you age may be different from your Caucasian counterpart, if products that were made were talking to her to your Caucasian counterpart and holding her up again and again and again as the standard of beauty, that's not what you see in the mirror. Mm. That's not the language that you speak in celebration of your beauty and the truth of who you are, nor does it answer your needs and desires. So, for example, if you continue to see products that talk about wrinkles, and you know by the time our queens age, we're in our 80s and 90s and earned every one of them. So mm-hmm. this is not this is a non-starter, the conversation. So if you value me, if you value my business, if you want to engage me, then you must really have the conversation with me. And so to me, it was important, and it's still important. I am still out there talking to I spoke at a global award-winning ad agency last week, is that you have to understand the audience that you serve and the business that you're in and who you want to do business with. You cannot ignore her. You cannot build this field of dreams and hope that she'll come to play because everybody else is going. No, you must really talk directly to her. And that's important. And it's so across the board it's what we see it's it's the language that's spoken to us it's even how we're treated at retail it's all of those things that either empower or negate who you are wow in this conversation of invisibility have you ever felt invisible as we begin to talk about self-love oh i've absolutely felt invisible uh you know certainly in my early career even starting out as a model i remember you know going into an agency one day with my kinky hair if you will and being told oh the the head of the agency mrs so-and-so will never see you like that wow And, you know, my mother would always say, you know, she didn't raise any quitters. So no was not an acceptable answer in our home unless a solution followed it. So she 
being the, you know, my mother had a background in the beauty business as as well. And so my mother said, okay, we're going to do a test here. So she, she had me, we straightened my hair and pulled it back in the bun. And I went back to the agency the next day. And don't you know, I was hired that day and wow. started working on 7th Avenue. And I started doing TV commercials and print work and so forth. Absolutely. So, you know, what we certainly have learned is that if you back then you may not have been able to kick the door open but the thing was to get the door open and get inside and then hold it open for others make it better for others so when i came to essence again it was showing us about showing us in all our diverse glory all shades all shapes all sizes all hair textures you know gaps and our green eyes and our freckles and what have you it is the same reason that i cut the path and position for the position of cover director, which I became. Because long before branding was the language, I wanted to give the magazine an affirmative signature. So that no matter where you saw Essence on the newsstand or in the kiosk at the supermarket or what have you, you would recognize that is my magazine that magazine celebrates me. Or you couldn't wait to see who was going to be on the cover next. And we celebrated all types of women, from gang girls to celebrities to women in the know to the C-suite women who had to overcome their male counterparts to get where they were. We told and continue to tell our story. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. I'm tell I don't I if you listen to this, this might be a good time to pull over because you might shout in the car if you're driving or if I d I don't know. This is huge. I think as I'm hearing all of this, I hear the strength and the affirmation and the sense of purpose that undergirds everything that you do and both your knowledge of yourself as well as the way that you serve our community. And for me, I think that's been one of the things that has drawn me to you and that requires what we're talking about today, which is a huge degree of of self-love. What does that mean? So when I look at the pillars surround us in terms of self-love. Number one is you have to know your value. You know, I always remind us that each of us is unprecedented. You know, the creator thought so much of each of us that he designed only one. That is a cherished point. Number two, you have to treasure your vision space, your mind, because the, the word says out of your heart, Proceed, you know, again, as you think, so you are. So what are you, you know, I I like this metaphor. You know, I worked with the WNBA, the young women, for a long time, coaching and counseling them. And I taught them to think about putting a point guard on their vision space. Point guard keeps his eyes on the ball you know, blocks opponents, you know, adversity, aggressive stuff. You have to treasure your vision space because out of it proceeds your actions, how well you live your life, how much you thrive, how well you see the bigger picture in understanding that you are blessed and on divine assignment to be a blessing to others. And if you're a blessing to others, God will prosper you in every way, even beyond that which you could think of. So again, those two things key first. The third thing is you must honor your temple. This is the vessel through which you serve. You cannot put in the junk foods and, and you know, when you even when you travel abroad or when you go in the church house, you wouldn't go in a church house that had trash all over the floor. I'm talking about worshiping God. They are well kept places. 
Your temple is the same. It must be a well-kept place. You understand what it takes to make it hum, you know, at nano speed. So it does mean taking care of yourself. It does mean exercising mind, body, and spirit. Hmm. You are, you know, a tri nature, so you must nurture all three. So those are just a few of the things that you must do. I think that also self-love does mean surrounding yourself with the right people. And I always tell women in particular, and even everyone, you need a celebration team. Doesn't have to be large, but who are the key people that want to see you win, mm -hmm. that help you get out of your own way, that can see who and what you are created to be, and they won't hear any other type of conversation because your greatness was not designed to operate in isolation. Hmm. You know, we see that from the beginning. Jesus had 12, a president has a cabinet, mm -hmm. not designed to operate in isolation. So, you know, if I could just pick four pillars that must surround you, you know, under the mansion of self-love, those things are key. Got it. For some of us, as we talk about this self-love concept, it's easy to hear it, but sometimes it's hard to identify the behaviors that show you that you're struggling with self-love. So in my situation, when I was growing up in ministry, people would say, you know, I really enjoyed that. Or they'd say, good job. Or they'd say, you, you look great or whatever that might be. And I was very accustomed to figuring out a way to like shove away that compliment or like throw it away or, or very awkward. So I thought that that was my version of being humble. I didn't know that at the root of that was an internal struggle with being able to sit in, you know, God has used me to do this. I, I received not the glory, but I received the appreciation of what. So there are certain behaviors that much like cancer, a pain is a pain until you go get it checked out. So what are behaviors that if I am walking on my own journey with myself or in relationship with a child, a friend or whatever that might be, what are some behaviors that could say you're struggling with your love of self? Well, it manifests itself in many ways. Certainly the, the first part is the physical part. You drop your head. You can't make eye contact because you don't believe what is said about you to be true. Hmm. Secondly, you can't stand the high. You know, you once you hear what they say, then your, your inner critic, who you have yet to fire, wow. enters in with another conversation to tell you an alternative fact, if you will, or to tell you wow. alternative things that are not so true. And you cling on to those because you haven't come to terms with the greatness that lies within you. Maybe you have a struggle with eating because you need to comfort that greatness because it has become a burden. Wow. You don't know how to carry it. Maybe you shop and spend all of your money because you need some little destruction to prove that you're really not that great at all. It manifests itself in many ways. But the bottom line is you must get still and you must accept the assignment that's been placed in you. And if you're not there, you got to run out to meet it. I love how, you know, there's so many biblical characters, you know, from Esther that took pause and realized that she had to go on in there, accept that assignment. David, who ran out fully to meet that assignment. You know, however you come to it, you got to get still and know that, yes, this is like the principle of reserved seating. It has your name on it. Yes, it's meant for you. And if you still struggle to get out of your own way, just remember, even when folks are bragging, they're really bragging on God, your architect. You can accept the compliments on his behalf because his shoulders are broad enough to carry them. Mm. You just said something that excited me. You said that we have yet to fire our inner critic. 
I think there is something that is cultured in us or instilled in us that we have to live with this consistent nagging of this voice that tells us how much is wrong with us, right? How much is not like the rest or how much is inadequate. How do we fire that inner critic? Because for many people, that's the voice that is really taking charge all the time. How do we kick that voice out? How do we fire our inner critic when it's been a a large voice for so long? Well, you know, I think that certainly it's like you wouldn't pick up a hitchhiker in this day and age. Your inner critic is a hitchhiker. Hitchhiking on your self-esteem. Hitchhiking on your dreams. Hitchhiking on your purpose. Hitchhiking on the truth of who your chief creative officer says you are. And you got to open the door and fire them. You will not be moving forward with me. Sometimes you have to just have the, have the conversation. You will not be moving forward with me. You're taking a free ride too long and you get in the way. Wow. Whatever way it shows up. And then you have to be focused because your inner critic will try to sneak back in in other ways. So if you fire the critic who comes to you with the doubts, then maybe it sneaks in the fridge and it makes you want to go there and eat in the middle of the night and all of, you know, or eat those things that you know aren't helpful for you so that they can diminish your capabilities. So you have to stay focused. Hmm. Yeah, it is, you know, depending on how large a role your inner critic plays in your life, you have to understand that for a time you might be in a battle of no ceasefire. That you gotta keep shooting until it's gone. Yeah, the bottom line is to know you can't use it. Part of the problem is, and it's not just, you know, we didn't invent this inner critic. It was modeled before us through many generations. If you look at at the nation, how, you know, we are not first peoples of this nation. If you look at your ancestors, it doesn't matter whether you're of African descent, Irish descent, what have you. Everyone came from somewhere else and everyone came here either being oppressed or leaving oppression. So Mm -hmm. the critics traveled in bags, by boat, in cargo ships, in slave ships, and what have you. And it shows itself through the ages. Even to the grands who meant well, they said, oh, you're so, don't be so conceited. Don't think so much of yourself. Wow. Well, if you're taught that at home, when you get in the C-suite, when you get in the boardroom, when you're hired to be this, or when you want to buy this company and so forth, what do you think goes in there with you? Wow. Hearing you say that is causing me to make that linkage between what we are taught about humility or what we are taught in terms of even our own generations, right, our own parents and those that came before them of this idea that you must think low. Like that is this idea. And for me, the place that was the voice of that was not necessarily my family, but my theology. My theology that told me to love yourself is pride, right? To inner critique yourself consistently is to be humble, is to lower yourself, quote unquote, die to yourself. How have you reconciled theology with this idea of loving yourself because for many people it was in the church where they learned how not to love themselves it was in the church where they heard hate over their sin and their sin conscience enabled them or caused them rather to believe that there was something fundamentally wrong with with them and that's the place they operated from i love how interwoven god and his word is in everything that you do and that's one of the reasons why we first connected but for many people that's a hindrance 
for you, how did you arrive at that place of reconciling your theology and faith in God with the idea of loving yourself? You know what I love about God? He didn't ask me to take anybody else's word for it but his. And in his word, he says, study to show yourself approved. Now, anything that you want to understand fully, you have to study. And in the word, he says that I come that you might have life more abundantly, that I'm able to do exceeding and abundantly above all that you could think or ask. And over and over and over again, his testimony of me is that I might thrive and live great and do good. He said, I don't mean any harm for you. And and then I went a little further and it says, do you not know who you are? Do you not know that your body is a temple unto the Lord? Do you not know this, that, and the other? And so when I understand that who, like he created me for this, he wants to give me joy and peace and all of, so what he is telling me is something different than what the world is telling me. And one day I just I'm with him. <laughs> I'm with him. And I'm gonna go with that which made me. Yeah. Because he knows me better than anybody else. And I can take him at his word. Some of this other advice is untested. And some of the worst things have happened by the best intentions. You know, people meanwhile, they'll Ooh. tell you, oh my gosh, yeah. Many a child has been crippled by saying, be quiet. You should be seen and not heard. Who you think you are? Yeah, I know who I am because I read it. I read it in the word in black and white. Yeah, I know who I am. Wow. Right. And one of the things I hear you saying is that it is important to know that self-love is not some type of robbery from God. It is a tenet of his promise. It is an aspect, a definition, if you will, of what the promise of abundant life means. That's it. Sure. That's it entirely. And there are so many facets to that. Mm -hmm. Again, if you just keep trying to get your spiritual and mental arms around that, you can't help but run on and do great things. Be the truth, all of it, of who you are and who you were created to be. And no one else gets to define that. You know, we have to stop looking for outside validation. Hmm. You know, we've got to learn to encourage ourselves. I love how David even said, when my father and my mother will forsake me, my God will take me up. Mm-hmm. Always got our backs. Wow. Got to learn to encourage yourself got to learn to know the truth and stay free in it. You aren't designed to be in bondage to any thought that means you ill, that holds you back, that keeps you from thriving. Not, not created for that. Wow. As we sit with this journey, one of the biggest things about this podcast and our final couple of questions is exploring the how. And for many people, when we talk about self-love, it's like opening up a conversation and telling a, a sick person to heal themselves, right? Like that could be the impact sometimes when we have these conversations is, you know, you're looking at somebody who has just been shot and you're telling them, take the bullet out, take the bullet out. And for many people, they be like, I, you know, this hurts. Like I have no idea. So Dr. Taylor, what advice from someone who has been on the journey would you give in terms of tangible things that the listeners can do 
today that can start to get them on that journey? What are some things that I could literally put into action tonight in that how-to that if I do them long enough could get me right in that journey of self-love? You know, self-perception colors everything. I think Jesus said it best when he asked the the man by the pool of Bethesda, I think it wills, or the, or the lame man, he said, do you want to be healed? The first thing is you have to ask yourself, do you want to thrive? Do you want to live better? Do you want to be your best self? And if the answer is yes to any of those questions, then you have to begin to walk in that truth without turning back, without looking back and define it for yourself because it's different for everyone. How are you going to execute it? How are you, you map out everything else. You know, you go to the table to brand them and you make sure that on that job, that company is doing well. How do you turn that on yourself? How do you map out what it takes for you to thrive? If you could still, you know, it may mean that you have to cut some people loose in your life and so be it. It may mean that you got to cut some of your own habits. Maybe you got to get out of your own way. You know, I tell the truth about being a shy person. I had to learn to leave my shy self at home because she got in the way. And I just got physical with her. I used to say, you stay right here and I'll tell you all about it when I come back. Because you know, when you go out there, you really can't speak up and you're going to get in the way and I'll never get anywhere. So yeah, you have to just, you know, the Bible says laughter is good medicine. Sometimes you just have to have a good laugh at yourself. Okay, well, I know this is a problem and here's how I'm going to walk out of it. Yeah, map it out. Today I'm doing so and so. Three weeks from now, I want to be such and such. Uh, Two months from now, it's going to be a new conversation. Hmm. If you have to clean out your pantry and your fridge, okay, is this the last donut I'm going to have today? Okay, I'm I'm buying this donut every day. That dollar is now going to go to something else. Sure. Yeah, whatever it is, you have to understand that you have the power to thrive. You have free will. It is in you and on you to make it happen. The thing that I find is uh, earth shattering thought is this. Life is not a dress rehearsal. Hmm. This is it. You're not getting to come back on this stage again. So how are you going to make it count? Hmm. There is no calendar with one day or someday on it. Don't count on it. Go with the days you have. If it's February, every four years, you'll get a 29th day. But right now, if you got 28, what are you doing with them? March, you got 31, what are you doing with them? Every day. You know, I learned something from the late James Baldwin, and and that was this. Joy, well, it's a small thing, but you have the capacity to take it with you everywhere you go. So stop looking for outside validation. Stop giving other people the key to your life, to your life, to your joy, to your purpose, to what you want to do and and who you want to be and what you know for sure. Stop giving other people the keys. Wow. Stop giving them. That's too much power for anyone to have over your life. Another thing, stop going where you're tolerated and go where you're celebrated. Woo! How about that? How about that? You want to believe in yourself and and yeah. Go where you celebrate it. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. huge. Yeah. That, wow. Wow, wow. Let's, I want to mark that. Go where you are celebrated. That's right. Not tolerated. Mm-hmm. That's huge. You brought up James Baldwin, who I remember the first time you shared that with me. I thought to myself, reason number 769 why <laughs> I love you. Because every time you mention somebody, like you don't name drop like casual people to indicate status you share because these were experiences that shaped you and you just happen to be around some 
iconic people. And as we talk about this self-love conversation, James Baldwin has really, really, really been... I mean, a, a true light in terms of what that means to walk in your truth and to wrestle with it, accept you, and then still figure out how to model that and encourage it for, for others, right? So what else have you learned from people like him who have been those voices? You know, when we photographed the late Rosa Parks for the, I think it was the 1993 Essence Awards. I can't remember which year it was. But, you know, Rosa had the joy of a child, and she so loved being, she loved people. And I remember, you know, she would laugh this little laugh, and that day when we were talking to her, she said, you know, I was tired. And she said in so many words, I was tired for us. And, Mm. you know, that is a big love, that when you not only love yourself, that you love everybody else, and you no longer want it, for yourself and everyone else. I love how Angela Davis said, I'm no longer accepting the things I cannot change. Photographed Sister Angela one day and, you know, she said, I'm changing the things I cannot accept. And and she recognized her power and she wasn't afraid of it. Always fearless and will tell you in a heartbeat that you must walk in the truth of who you are. The late Dr. Betty Shabazz. Oh mm. my goodness. Just... There was a joy maker. She could have like thrown in the towel, raising those babies, you know, husband slain, no script for that. And then went on to be an educator. And there she was up at Mega Evans, just teaching future generations how to lead, not follow, how to lead. No, nothing in her background for that. Wow. Didn't ask for that. Sabrina Fulton. Talk with Sister Sabrina again and again, and you know she'll tell you this purpose was laid in my lap, hmm. but I took it, I took it, I took it so others wouldn't have to take it, and I'm gonna show God I know what to do with it. Wow, wow, wow! This has been huge. I can't say thank you enough for this time. And as you all know, at the end of every episode, my goal is always to make sure that, especially when we have wisdom at the table that you have some tools that you walk away with for the building. So I want to recap some things that Dr. Taylor said that you need to have in your toolbox. The first is she said these two words at least four times in our time today. She said, be still. Tool number one for building without a blueprint, your self-love building is to find for if you're just starting this journey, I want you to find a particular amount of time just once a week, if you're just starting this, to be completely still. So you have to figure out what that looks like, right? Is it 30 minutes? Is it an hour? Is it two hours? Where is a place that is remote for you, that is not attached to any particular memory or any particular thing that is uh, distracting, triggering, that is reminding of anything? What is a place of solace where you can go and be still? Is it the library? Is it the beach? Is it a room in your house that you create a sanctuary out of? And how do you document a time to be still? Dr. Taylor also said that once you're being still, deep down in that time of reflection with nothing else besides you, figure out what do you want for yourself. That time for you to think about you, uninfluenced by anything else or anybody else, what do you want for yourself? Because she said, do you really want to thrive? Do you really want to see the best you? As you've 
figured out what you want. I want you to write that down. I want you to have a document, take a journal in your be still space and write down, hey, I want to be whole. I want to accept compliments better. I want to not engage in continuous relationships. I want to be okay being by myself. I want to engage in healthier habits because I know that I'm eating because I want to feel comfort. So I want you to start there. Those are places where you can start. And then last, as you continue that time of solitude, I want you to work on being able to call out those spaces where you are being tolerated, not celebrated. Dr. Taylor, as we're finishing up, could you just give our audience some last words and some affirmations for their self-love journey? It is critical that as you move through life, that you must first own your life. It's not about making others over and even accepting things that you cannot change until you first own your life. Secondly, you must celebrate the truth of who you are in full. You must celebrate it. You don't need anyone else to throw that party. You must celebrate it. And know that in so doing, you'll inspire others to do so. You'll reduce the power of haters and critics. And and you'll even learn yourself how to distinguish between feedback and criticism. And that's important in life. And finally, you must master your purpose with distinction. Your distinct purpose. If you haven't identified it, again, Again, get still and know what it is because you want to master it with distinction. There is something that has been given to you, a divine assignment, and you must fulfill it. And it is that thing that makes your heart skip a beat and you cannot ignore it. I want to say power to your journey and as always, blessings and love. There it is. Dr. Taylor, thank you so much for your light, for you going on the journey first and then for taking us along with you. And thank you for literally changing the world and setting that up for generations to come. I love you. I celebrate God for you. Thank you for who you've been to my life. And I hope and pray that everybody listening, this has strengthened you and given you a starting point for your self-love journey. This is Princeton Parker saying that you are not alone and there is no blueprint for it but we will keep building. So with God as your foundation and purpose as your motivation, keep building family. Wow, wow, wow. Let's just take a second to process all of that. I just want to know, did that touch you as much as it touched me? I'm still on full from that conversation and it's been weeks that I've been able to sit and digest it since we first sat down to do that interview. Once again, I'm so thankful to Dr. Mickey Taylor for sitting with me and we wrapped that interview and I wanted that to be a whole episode by itself. And then I remembered something key that we didn't talk about that I want to mention. And that is if you loved what Dr. Taylor shared in our talk, then you absolutely must go get her new book called Editor in Chic, How to Style and Be Your Most Empowered Self. What I love is that sometimes the conversation around style and beauty is often disassociated from empowerment. In fact, oftentimes the conversation around style and empowerment has to do with how you can become more liked or more accepted by being more trendy. And Dr. Taylor does an incredible job of helping us understand style, beauty, fashion, all these things as an understanding of identity and empowerment. What does it mean that you reclaim yourself and your sense of self-worth so that you can build and be the best 
best that you can possibly be. So I had to slide that in there. It is available now. You can go and get it wherever uh, books are available. Once again, it's called Editor in Chic, How to Style and Be Your Most Empowered Self by Dr. Mickey Taylor. Log on to PrincetonParker.com for show notes and to keep up with all things Princeton, not just the podcast, but all things going on. I am still on full. Absolutely amazing conversation and amazing things to think about in terms of building with no blueprint, your building of self-love. Once again, family, with God as your foundation and purpose as your motivation, keep building.